Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, parents. It's Richard and Linda Ayer once again on Ayers on the Road as we approach Christmas, getting closer every day. We are, and finally, we're home. (laughs) So we don't have to be on the road for a little while, which is great, except that we need to be on the road to Ogden uh, in a little bit. We are so excited for Christmas this year because we have five children coming home. We haven't had that for many years. Usually we go to someone's house because it's so hard to haul a bunch of little kids back home after they become parents themselves. But this year, our baby girl, who is 26, decided that this was going to be a Christmas when everybody's going to be there because this may be her last single year. So she is so excited uh, although we only got five out of nine, but still, that's better than none. Well, when they live all over the world, it's pretty good if we can get five of them to come. They they all come in the summer reunion, but getting them here for Christmas, we've found, is a little bit harder. But, you know, we should talk a little bit about uh, this, this show. You may be hearing this show on Tuesday before Christmas. You may not hear it until almost Christmas Eve because it's running for a week. But we want to talk a little about some of the things that we think may be helpful to you as a parent in trying to get your Christmas, and we know all parents, pretty much all parents, want to do this, to get your Christmas a little more oriented to giving and a little less oriented to getting. Another way to say it, depending on how religious you are, is getting this Christmas a little more oriented to Christ and maybe a little less to Santa Claus and all the commercial aspects of the holiday. So we'll get into that. But before we do, Linda, I think we really ought to talk about where we're going tonight because Ayers are on the road and we're on the way up to our daughter's performance and program up in Ogden where she's doing something that she calls the Children for Children concert. You better explain what that means. Well, we started this actually when our kids were little. We just thought our kids need to be able to give something instead of getting, getting, getting. So we decided to have them do a little recital. And any child in the neighborhood, no matter what age they were or how proficient they were on the piano or violin or recorder or or art or whatever they wanted to present uh, to an audience, we would have them come to our house and perform. And then we would charge the parents through the nose for, actually we didn't give them an amount, but we just said we're sending money to a school in Bolivia or children in India or whatever our project was that year. And uh, it was quite amazing. We raised a lot of money that went straight to those kids who really needed it most. Now our kids, as usual, have taken the baton and gone a step farther. Um, Our oldest, Saren, actually has her oldest son, who is 12, uh, organizing this. And he has done a terrific job. He's sent out emails. This is their second year to do it in a church just around the corner from where they are. It's an old church that's been turned over to the community. So they just send out a, uh, an a announcement and say, we're doing the Children for Children concert at the church at this time. Come with your number. And if you want to be in the nativity, we have costumes for everyone. And so they do a little nativity scene at the end, which is just so fun. The thing that's really cool about it is that the kids who are performing uh, you know, they really know that what they're doing is sharing their talents with an audience, but what they're really doing is raising money 
to send to children who have a great need, and hence, of course, the name Children for Children. And I think what's great about it is that uh, it's surprising how much parents will pay, <laughs> number one, to see their own kids perform. I mean, anytime you want to get a good crowd for any event, just have a bunch of kids perform and all the parents will show up. But what we've found is that they'll, they'll pay a pretty healthy amount, especially because it's to hear their own child perform and because they know the money is going to go to a really good cause. Well, they're, so it's they're, kind of a win-win situation. Yeah, their child is performing for a reason, and that they feel like they're raising money, so they feel like really it's their money that they're raising to give. And actually, Saren uh, contributes all this, and Ashton too, I should say now, because he's worked on this, to uh, a Bulgarian orphanage uh, project. She went uh, as a missionary to Bulgaria many years ago now. Wow. Yeah, it's been I a long time. I can't count how many years ago, but... She worked in the orphanages there, and she, and a friend, and she and several valiant mothers now are still working with these orphanages. They have provided food, and clothing, and warmth. All the windows were broken out when we when they were there. Snow coming in the windows. They cardboard them up the best they could, but no heat, no food, just gruel every day. It was just so bleak. And now those kids have got fresh vegetables and fruits and. Every year they provide them with some some more money to really do a better job with these orphanages. And they've expanded, too. They, they're doing about 10 orphanages now, I think. So so a little diversion there on what one of these charities is, but back to the, to the real point, which is that kids really have generous hearts. And usually children don't really have a vehicle whereby they can give and help out children that are in more need than they are because most kids don't have a lot of money they can send. But by giving them this opportunity to use their talents to raise money in order to send it to needy children, and, of course, there's a lot of outlets that you could choose if you were doing this in your family as far as where to send the money. A lot of worthy causes out there that uh, your children could choose. Now, the... The parents who have the best luck with a Children for Children concert usually let the children get involved in researching and thinking about where do we want to send this money we're going to raise, where could it do the most good, where could it help the most kids, and just doing a little of that research and getting involved in making that choice causes children to get outside of themselves and maybe to brush off a little of the entitlement mentality that many of our kids have these days. You know, it's it's kind of hard to get kids thinking about giving, but once they do, they get so excited about it. And before you tell about our kids giving at Christmas, which is one of our highlights at Christmas time, I don't know if anyone's seen this advertisement, the British advertisement that our son sent us last week about the cutest little boy. Looks like he's about seven, six or seven. And, you know, it starts with an advent calendar, and, and it's just the 1st of December, and he's so distraught because it takes so long to get to the 24th. And then it shows how he's just, you know, so nervous, and every day goes by, and he just can't wait, and he can't wait. And you just think, oh, what is this kid getting for Christmas that he's so excited about? And then finally Christmas morning comes, and he runs up, jumps up, runs past his Christmas stocking, past the Christmas tree, and goes into the closet and gets the gift that he has for his parents. And he goes into the room. They're both sound asleep, and he has this this package in his hands that he's 
so overjoyed to give to his parents. So it's a surprise ending, but it's so sweet to, to know that really giving is one of the best parts of Christmas, and kids need to participate in that. We had a, a really nice discussion on Sunday with a bunch of young parents about how to sort of try to make this transition between getting and giving. And we also talked quite a bit, and we'll get to a little to this later in the show, but about how how to make kids feel the difference between the myth, which you still want them to believe in in many cases, of Santa Claus, and the reality of Jesus. And to make that differentiation is a very troubling thing for some parents, and we'll touch on that a little later. But I think um, this discussion on Sunday was interesting because it seemed like almost every parent, every mom and every dad there was was dealing, sort of struggling with this question, how can we orient it more to giving than to getting? And, and you know, there were a lot of good ideas. There were, you know, several of them are, are interesting, and you've probably heard them before, like um, having an advent calendar and trying to put things on it that involve giving and uh, some some families have the tradition of uh, having starting with an empty manger in a nativity scene, and then every time someone gives something to someone else, even if it's just a compliment or a kindness or a good deed, then they put a straw in the manger so that by Christmas Eve, when the Christ child is placed in the manger, it's soft and it's cushioned, and, and they have been giving not only to others, but in a way to Jesus. And so... There's a lot of interesting um, approaches like that. We tried to share, uh, in a way, that's a funny thing, because in a way we kind of gave up on the dilemma. It just seemed like everything we tried when our children were small that would integrate the sort of Santa Claus side of Christmas with the Jesus side, or another way to say it would be the giving side with the getting side, it just didn't seem to work very well. Like we, for a while on Christmas morning, we would try to, you know, uh, focus the kids' attention on, now look what so-and-so's giving to you. Isn't that great? But it was just a losing battle. It was Christmas morning, and they wanted to get on with it, and where's the Santa Claus gift and so on. So almost out of desperation, we simply decided to split them up and to have Christmas Eve be the time that we focused only on giving. And to have, and we even had a different Christmas tree for. We had two different areas of the house, and the one was the one for Christmas morning, and it had all the big packages and so on. But the the other tree <coughs> was for Christmas Eve, and one child would get a turn, and he would give all his presents that he had chosen himself, maybe from the dollar store or, or something, or made, <laughs> I mean, we had made everything, simple little things. And the whole focus would be on, on this child, let's say it was Sadie, and Sadie's now giving her gifts, and people are opening them and saying, oh, Sadie, this is just so thoughtful of you, this is just what I wanted, almost over the top a little on hamming it up, even if all it is is a potato peeler or something. But thank you so much. Did you choose this yourself? Did you earn your own money to buy this? That is so fantastic. And and then even a round of applause at the end, and each child hugging the other child and thanking them for that gift, and that was that was all the gifts that happened on um, on Christmas Eve. And then we felt like having done that, 
the next morning, we could just let it all go and let it all be Santa Claus and so on. Now, of course, the other thing we did on Christmas Eve that many of you listeners do is the nativity scene, but we we took it kind of a step further, Linda, didn't we? We did, and actually we'll um, uh, tell you all about that when we come back. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, listeners, it's the Ayers back again on Ayers on the Road, and Linda was just about to tell you a way to expand your family nativity scene to make it a a whole activity that takes pretty much the whole Christmas Eve. (laughs) Well, actually, this is a little over the top, and if it is Christmas Eve by now, what you're listening, this is a little late to think about it, but if you're wondering what to do or looking for something to do on Christmas Eve, we decided when our kids were little, that we would really dedicate the whole Christmas Eve, as, as Richard said, the first half, to really thinking about the true meaning of Christmas. And um, we did this when our kids were little, and to get them involved, um, we had what we called a Jerusalem Supper. And we just had all the food that Jesus would have eaten or his family would have eaten. This sort of preceded the typical nativity where the kids would be riding on the donkey and going to Bethlehem and so on. Before that, before that reenactment and before the reading of Luke, we would do this this supper, this Jerusalem supper. And we realized we should have called it the Nazareth Supper because they were leaving from Nazareth, but we all pretended that we were Mary's family and that Joseph was there and her parents were there and each of the kids could choose their own name from the Bible, a Bible-type name. And uh, it was pretty they could, they could choose who they'd be, too. Like someone would say, well, I'm, I'm Mary's little cousin, and, and my name is going to be Jezebel or something. And, and another kid would say, well, I'm, I'm going to be uh, uh, Joseph's uh, second cousin, and my name's going to be Larf or whatever. They yeah, we, these, these funny names. But <clears throat> then when we'd role-play the dinner, they would really get into character, wouldn't they, Linda? Well, we had costumes and everything, so it was a little easier to get into character. And I have to admit, we, there were some giggles once in a while because they said funny things. But, you know, it was really introspective to think about Mary leaving, just to go sit on that donkey for 100 miles when she's nine months pregnant. And, uh, the you know, the hazards of the journey and the parents being so worried about her and... And the brothers and sisters being kind of involved in, in thinking about how they were going to make it and what they were going to do, what they were going to eat. It was really pretty interesting. So, so imagine this in your mind for a minute in case this is something you want to do and you probably would expand on it and do it even better. But you'd have to probably have at least five or six characters and hopefully you'd have that many around your home on Christmas Eve. There would have to be a Mary, obviously. There'd have to be a Joseph. Probably Mary's parents would be there, and maybe Joseph's parents if you wanted to, too, so you're up to six already, and then whoever else wanted to come, and they're making up their own name and so on, and then you're having dinner, and you're eating figs and unleavened bread and fish, and there's no electric lights, everything's candlelight, and you try to get into character, and like Linda said, some some kids would break the, the mold and get out of character a little bit. As much as you can, you're really there. You're really in Nazareth. You're really, Mary's going to leave the next day with Joseph. They've got this little donkey. And it's amazing what the kids think to ask. Well, well Mary, um, 
how are you going to sit on that? Are you going to sit side saddle? How how will that? Won't that be hard on you being being about ready to have a baby? And are you sure the donkey can go a hundred miles? How often will you have to rest? And do you have any reservations in the hotel when you get there, or, or how you know where are you going to stay? And and of course you want to pick a Mary and a Joseph that are old enough that they can at least try to make up an answer to some of these questions, but. The point is it really gets the kids thinking this really happened. Maybe not in just the way we're role-playing it, but this this is a real thing that happened 2,000 years ago, and we're thinking about it. And in a minute, we're going to reenact the part we do know about, which was the journey itself and the end. And it's kind of fun because uh, one of the dads turns into a donkey and carries Mary on her back into the nativity scene and so on. We over the years we formalized it because we had so much fun with it. Um, we had plates from Jerusalem so that it seemed a little more authentic. We ate, um, oh gosh, unleavened bread fish, which the kids were not too excited about initially. But by the time we got done, they were excited about that fish because we had to get some that were it was really good. Some more successful years than others. But, you know, cheese, grapes, and dates, which they love. Grape juice. Grape juice and um, cheese and authentic things that would have been there uh, during that time. So it really was a fun Christmas Eve. We know that most of you have set your traditions by now, and it's almost impossible to break them (laughs) once you've started. But for those of you who are younger families who are trying to think of what to do, for a special Christmas Eve tradition, that would be it. And I'm just going to go maybe one step further and really urge, I I was just doing it conversationally a minute ago, but let me really give you a challenge if this is something that appeals to you. Really take a fairly drastic step in order to emphasize the giving and the Christ aspect of Christmas by banning everything else until the next morning. So that all you're doing on Christmas Eve is the nativity and the supper or whatever you have to go with it. And then the giving of the children's gifts to each other and to the parents. Don't Let's not have the parents give anything that night or certainly not Santa, just the kids giving and all the conversation, all of the emphasis, all of the praise and complimenting is about giving what a good giver you are. And it really, I think it really can make a, a big, big difference. And then um, if you want to go even further, of course, and many of you do this in your families, you can try really hard to work some aspect of service into your family Christmas. And again, that's the very best way to help kids to think in terms of giving rather than getting. And you don't have to go off to Bolivia as we did one Christmas or other places where we gave up Christmas altogether in its commercial normal sense and used the money we would have spent on everybody's gifts to go to a place where there were poor children and to build a school for them or a clinic or whatever. And that's a wonderful thing to do. And I'll just say, if that appeals to you, the two best organizations we've ever found, well, the three best, why don't you just mention them, Linda, and if anyone's got a pencil and that this expedition thing um, appeals to you, you could go online and look up one of these. But after Linda mentions these, we'll come back to more practical 
kinds of service that are closer to home. You know, I have to preface this by saying that you can't really do this until your children are a little older. Our youngest, I think, was 10 when we started doing uh, humanitarian expeditions at Christmas time. I just got so tired of Christmas. I just got so sick of filling those lists and trying to make kids happy. And I mean, they were not demanding necessarily horribly, but we had nine kids and it was just a lot of stuff to round up. And so one year we just decided, you know, this year we're going to get a ticket to Bolivia and it's going to be about the same price as trying to do a whole big Christmas. So we really had, and plus we had a lot of frequent flyer miles in those days. Um, and so we really had a marvelous time doing this. And the organizations we've done this with are choicehumanitarian.org. That's their website. Um, and, I, and we know this is a little late for this year, but next year, this is a good time to think about what you want to do next year. The next one is ascendalliance.org. And the one that we've been involved with just the last couple of years um, a lot and had several kids go and the, had a grandson do an eagle project and taking it to India. And this is a fabulous um, place to go. I, I'm not sure if they have a Christmas exhibition, but I, I know I they know have they a lot should. in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, they should. But anyway, this one is risingstaroutreach.org. And uh, that is a fabulous experience for any family. By the way, let me just say, I'm all, we're always sending you to websites and so on on this show, and a lot of you are probably listening while you're driving or whatever, and you can't write them down. Um, let us just tell you, uh, and this ties into one thing I want to say at the end of today's show, there's a website I, that I think you can all remember, just if you'll think about it for a minute. It's called IrsFreeBooks.com. E-Y-R-E-S, just our name in the plural, and then free books all run together, hiresfreebooks.com. And there, there's a place there for comments. And anytime you have a question on anything we're saying on this show or you want us to repeat something or you need an address or a website, just get on there on hiresfreebooks.com and, and hit the comment button or contact us button and let us know what we can do, and we can send you more information on those expeditions. Now, of course, giving service does not have to involve going on a plane to a foreign country on Christmas. No, it certainly doesn't. We have had so much fun at the homeless shelter, although you have to think about that in advance because so many people are willing to help, which is wonderful. But, um, you know, the Set for Santa stuff is... You don't hear as much about it anymore. Um, part of it is because you never really get to know the family. You just give them a bunch of money. Um, you know how many kids they have and what ages they are. But we love to just know firsthand who we're getting to. And, of course, that's for sure is wonderful. And if you've done that, it's fabulous. But um, we have a daughter living in Ogden, as we said earlier. And, honestly, in their neighborhood, half of the neighborhood is... Uh, I, what do you call them? Well, the um, people who need help. They've got a lot of people in their, in their ward at church that are... I'm talking about the other half. I mean, well, several that are, that are affluent and really doing well. Children for children concert. Yeah. yeah, but the other half are so needy. And so all I had to do was call her and say, tell me who needs something, and then we know who they are. If they don't know who we are, but we'd contribute some money to for Sunday clothes or for things that they obviously need that is going to 
uh, be used and, and appreciated. But, you know, Linda, the thing I, I, again, we were talking to these young parents on Sunday this week, and uh, one of the things I learned from them, they said, yeah, you know, you can go through these institutional groups like sub for Santa or whatever, but they're a little, they're sometimes a little impersonal. And then this one gal said, you know, the best thing you can do is, Ask your kids, who do you know? Who do you know at school or whatever that, that might be not able to have a very nice Christmas this year because maybe the father's out of work or maybe they're, they're a little bit poor and so on. And even if the kids can't come up with anyone, at least they're thinking about it. It's a great thing to have kids try to think about with you who needs some help. And then actually to do it anonymously. Yeah. It's so yeah. fun. Don't ever let them know who did it. It could be an older couple who needs some help and some love. But um, there are so many ways to do good things for others, and it's even more fun to do it anonymously. And we, we have so many good memories of taking a bag of gifts and putting them on a porch of a family we'd picked out through whatever means, sometimes through the kids telling us about them, and then knocking on that door and running and watching someone come to the door from our darkened car a half a block away or whatever, and just the joy of having done something anonymously or an older couple, like you said, they're just going over and shoveling their walks. or just, just It's just such a powerful thing to get kids thinking about giving something, anything, at Christmas, and it tends to take a little of this gimme, 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 here's my list, this is what I want, sort of mentality. Um, and, and again, I don't want to make too big a deal. Of course, kids deserve to be excited at Christmas, and I don't mind the elf on the shelf thing and using various ways to try to manipulate good behavior prior to Christmas and Santa's peeking in the window or whatever, but, but don't overdo it with that. Try to balance it and try to have something very, very giving-oriented and Christ-oriented. And I'll tell you one thing, I'll promise you, it'll make your Christmas as an adult, as a parent, much, much calmer, much, much more peaceful, and much, much more meaningful. You know, even though we do have a few kids coming home this year, it's not like it used to be. And for you young mothers that are out there struggling to come up with just whatever to survive Christmas, it is so hard. There's so many demands that we just really compliment you on trying and just realize that everything's going to be fine. I, I look back at our Christmas Eves and I think after all the commotion was over, the nativity scene was done, all the kids had exchanged their gifts that they'd given to each other and we sent them all to bed. My most memorable Christmas was the Christmas I realized that the little robot that our that our Jonah wanted more than anything in the world. It, it was so, it was just little, but it was hilarious. It had a little broom and it swept things up. And uh, I had it wrapped up in a black plastic bag out in the garage and I went out to get it and realized somebody had put it in the garbage. And so that was the Christmas that I remember best. Those things turn out to be, and that's the one What'd you remember. What'd you do? What'd you too. get for Jonah? Oh, I just don't remember what I, we, we did everything. <laughs> that's a really bad memory, Like, huh? yeah, but that's <laughs> what you remember, too. But, I mean, really, we just did our best to 
you know, give him money and compliment him, tell him, well, this, you know, Santa is going to come up with that tomorrow. It was awful. But, you know, there are those disasters that... You're saying, I think Linda's saying, crisis plus time often equals humor. Yeah, absolutely it does. And we just want you to know that Christmas, those kids will not be home forever. So just enjoy it to the hilt. Um, give up, simplify, um, cut out the things that aren't absolutely necessary. You don't have to make cookies every day. And uh, just make it fun, make it exciting, and we wish you the very, very best for a wonderful Merry Christmas this year. And we'll be talking to you on Iris on the Road in the new year, next year. See you next year. 